When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I have an existential question, dear listeners of the Yacht Rock podcast, Out of the Main. I'm glad it's not for me. No, it, it is for it me. It is for you. Oh, You're going to answer on behalf of our listeners. All right. I've been thinking about this ever since we saw a Yacht Rock tribute band who we're yeah. lucky enough to have on as guests today. Mm-hmm. Um I went home from that show, first of all, completely, you know, gritting ear to ear. And we'll talk yeah. more about that in a bit. But I've been thinking since then, John, honest question, serious question somewhat. <laughs> Do you think this brand of music that we know as either Yacht Rock or West Coast or whatever, do you think it would be enjoying the revival it is had it not been for JD and the boys inventing the moniker Yacht Rock and giving it a brand? Oh, man, that's a deep question I would have yes, to get into. And, I, and, and I'm going to want to ask our guests that, but I think, I think yes, even if not. I think that allowed us to put a label on it and encapsulize it. But I think there's always, I remember in the, you know, 80s, 90s, everyone was looking back at stuff from the 50s and 60s. Motown had its revival. So, you know, I think there's always like a 30 to 40 year window where the nostalgia window comes back around. And I think we're in that right now for late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. And the existential part of it is, is I think most of the music that's enjoying the resurgence the OGs would not label Yacht Rock, as a matter well, of fact. Before we bring the guests on, I'll, I'll just tell uh, the listeners something, a conversation we have all the time, why I don't think that 90s music has the same resurgence. Because 90s music was dark. It was depressing in a lot of ways. It was angst. The thing about 80s and 70s music is most of the stuff was very uplifting. It's fun. When you go to a bar and want to hear a band or whoever play tunes, you want to hear something that makes you feel good, right? And, you know, even flow from Pearl Jam or, you know, Nirvana doesn't make you feel good. So this stuff has the perfect elixir to make you feel good. All right. Well, as a a former member of a 90s era band, I will smut you with a white glove. But you agree. No, I don't have to agree because we uh, are running out of time. We have to invite onto the show. I want to first set the stage for our listeners because I posted this on uh, Facebook and it kind of went wild, some video from the show. So imagine you're sitting on the lawn um, uh, adjacent to the terrace of a mansion belonging to Edsel and Eleanor Ford. Edsel was the son of Henry Ford, we being in Detroit. It sits on acres of wooded meadow essentially and it overlooks probably one of the yachtiest lakes in Michigan Lake St. Clair for sure and and if you turn around you see yachts anchored and boats anchored and people are enjoying the music stylings of what if you turn around is playing on this terrace it's this wonderful band playing yacht rock and yacht rock adjacent music and it's a summer night it's about 80 degrees Mm -hmm. there's a warm wind blowing the stars around (laughs) and We were so A glass of Sauvignon Blanc. Yes. Yep. You in your (laughs) captain's hat, me in my ascot. Yeah. Um, And we saw one of the best shows that we've, you know, ever seen. And it was not by a Yacht Rock artist, but it was by a Yacht Rock tribute band. It was. And we want to welcome on uh, the, um, I guess, the the band runner, the the leader, uh, Kevin Sucre, and his wife, Erin. They're kind of the leaders of a band called The Docksiders. So welcome to you two. You guys are amazing, first off. Thank you so much for welcoming us onto this fun platform to talk about some of our favorite music in the world. Thank you very much. Hello, gentlemen. 
Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We were about two songs in and John and I looked at each other. We're like, we got to get these guys on the podcast. I know. I know. How do we do this? <laughs> it's a, it's, it's PayPal or Venmo, however you, whatever your preference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my wife happens to know the booking agent at the venue and sent her a text. She says, yeah, I can introduce you to the band. So again, it was great meeting you guys. We came up on stage afterwards. We introduced ourselves and we said, let's do this. And yeah. here we are. So again, welcome to the podcast guys. Thank you so much. I got I got to butt in real quick and just tell you that my wife and I had gone through this this gauntlet of concerts where we, without planning, booked a whole bunch of concerts that we went to. We saw Robert Plant. We saw Tears for Fears. We saw ZZ Top. We saw Jackson Brown. And all of this within a two-week period. And the last one at the end of it was the Docksiders. <laughs> and it ended up being the most fun. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, well, it was a fun show. John's right about the music of the era being fun. Um, but before we talk specifically about the night, I wanted to get your background. So the band is how many members? Just tell us how this got together and why, quote unquote, Yacht Rock. And what was the genesis of this? It's really kind of an interesting story. So I, uh, I have been in the music business my whole life. And... Prior to starting the band, the Docksiders, I was managing artists. I owned a, a management company that managed artists, writers, and producers. And uh, the story is really simple. I was managing a young pop artist that was on tour with Fifth Harmony and Little Mix, some of the biggest girl groups on the planet as their, as their opening and support acts. And we're touring all around the world. And, and this young man's agent and I, you know, as we were doing our, our daily business with all uh, the artists that we both represented, we started talking, uh, you know, uh, on a couple of phone calls prior to the, our, our real business kicking off. And I said, you know what? I saw this resurgence of like this tribute act that were that tribute acts that were touring and playing theaters. And for one, I have been a student of, you know, I'm a producer and a, and a writer as well. And the music that is considered yacht rock is some of the most uh, inspirational music that has has laid the pavement for the work that I've done professionally. Mm. And I said to this agent uh, on the phone one day prior to doing our business, I said, you know, I'm interested in maybe putting together a group uh, and we would focus on what is this genre called yacht rock music and explain to him kind of my thoughts. And and I said, the only way I'd want to do it is if we did it at, at, a, at a certain level that would be uh, a level that we could play in theaters and we could sell real tickets. I, did, I wasn't interested in going out and playing in bars and, mm -hmm. and doing it that way. Uh, and he said, if you put that together, consider yourself signed. You have an agent. So I had an agent at a major uh, agency before I had even formed the band. And... Um, everything just really fell into place from there. I, we had our first show, uh, on August 8th, 2018. So we've been a band for just a little bit more than four years. Right Amazing. Now. And you know, it's not an easy thing to say. I think I'm just going to form a band that does yacht rock because if you are not a musician, you might just appreciate yacht rock for the fun, the shtick, the boating references, whatever. But if you're a musician, <laughs> You know how complex the music could be, how difficult the singing can be, and we want to talk to Aaron about that in a second. But just you, you can't hire slouches and just throw it together unless your only aspiration is a bar. So you were setting the bar high for yourselves by saying that's the genre that we're pinpointing. Hundred percent, you know that you, you hit the nail on the head, and and it it was I I knew I knew in my you know of the relationships that I built for years I knew who I love would would love to have been in the band and as it turns out it really worked out the way that it it was supposed to for us the the we we had some member changes early on and we've just experienced a couple more uh just recently but it it, it is right there's a certain caliber of musician that's able to play a jay graden guitar solo right it just doesn't yeah. it, oh my. It, you know what i mean you have to have certain chops to be able to cop you know, like Aaron, that you guys saw, like to sing Olivia Newton-John is one thing, but to, to be able to really sing Olivia Newton-John the way my wife sings Olivia Newton-John, I'm not saying that yeah. because I'm married to her, but she happens to be one of the finest vocalists that I've ever had the honor of working with. And I have worked with some of uh, some of the most legendary singers on the planet, fortunately, in, in my career. So 
it is. It, it was a it was a tall task to figure out how to stack the band and do it at the level that I expected us and wanted to do it at. Well, yacht rock in and of itself is a very high bar, and you know, for what it's worth, you do have to say how good Aaron is as a vocalist because you're married to her. But I do not. <laughs> you're not so, married to her? No, no, not that I know. Like me um, either. <laughs> <laughs> but. I, I did take a note, and I'm glad that, Kevin, you brought that up, is I had a note written down here that uh, one of the takeaways I had from the show is how much Olivia Newton-John stuff she did sing. Because I know you did Magic, you did, there, there were, were several. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I noticed when you were singing those, Aaron, that not only did you have the range, but there was a similar sort of uh, that Olivia Newton-John air that she has yes. in her voice, yes. as well as a certain depth to her vibrato yes. that you had. So uh, why is that? I mean, is it something that you just found that you had or did you like really aspire to sound like ONJ? Um, as a child, I kind of I, I thought all people could do that. Could co- sort of. <laughs> I did. I really thought all people could chameleon their voices. Um, so it was something that I sort of could kind of always do, but um, I adore her. I, I am yeah. I, I'm just honored to be able to sing her songs, and I find that I try really hard. Obviously, I don't sound just like her. She has her own unique sound, but I try very hard to emulate her her breathiness and her vibrato. I take I take you know, deep pride in trying to make sure that I am as close to sounding like her as I can. It's funny uh, that, you, that, I mean, I shouldn't, we've just met. So to me, it's funny where you meet other musicians and other astute uh, people that have that sort of critical ear that listen to those things. And Aaron would never say this. Yeah. So I hope I'm not embarrassing her. But I had the, the, Do the distinct oh honor of working with Olivia Newton-John and David Foster. And, oh. uh, has, yes. and, and uh, Olivia has been so gracious and... We played Olivia, uh, her version of Magic, and she was the sweetest, Mm. most kind human you could ever imagine. And she gushed over Aaron's vocal performance on that. So to to have an artist like that uh, be that uh, amazingly positive uh, on someone covering a song of theirs, it it was amazing. Very surreal for me. Well, I know that Tom wants to ask you about that. Uh, connection to the big industry. But before we do that, Aaron, I got to ask you about, um, so you've already uh, talked about, I, I have two great female loves from a uh, vocalist standpoint. No one cares. the other one. How, how much, our, how much uh, Linda Ronstadt do you take up? Oh, you know, we, when we first started, I did um, You're No Good. And I, ah, oh yeah. yeah, such a great song. And I love, yeah. I love doing Linda. I that that yeah. sounded wrong. Um, I love I love singing <laughs> Linda. Please take that out of there. Wait a minute! No 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 no! no, no. Do my co-host John, my co-host John has said oh, that no. very thing many times. Oh, no, yeah, he says it all the time, and he is happily married, as far as I know. Right, I am. Uh, but I, I do. I, we've talked about adding more back in of hers. Um, yeah, it cool. Yeah, I mean, we, we. I'm sure we'll get there in our conversation, but our dilemma. As a as a group that covers this this plethora of music, we we have. I mean, it. Where do you stop? Where? What do you cut? What do you add? It's it's infinite of what we could be doing. But great, great topic to get into. It is yes, definitely an internal band discussion, deep band discussion. I've got that written down because Kevin told me a little something about band meetings. But Tom, did you want to cover the other thing first? Well, no, I just wanted to add to the vocal thing. Is that that. Olivia Newton-John vibrato has become legendary in my household. I have singers here and, you know, it's something of an inside joke because at times, you know, she's so capable that she sort of flexes. Yeah. Um, and I would say the way that you sing, it's like, it's not like you're trying to copy her, 
But if I were to describe what I heard that night to a listener, I'd say it's not close enough. It is every bit as good as a Olivia Newton John. Wow. That's part of the experience <laughs> when you go to these shows. You want to feel like wow. you're you're seeing something live, but you also want to feel like you're getting the experience of the original. What an amazing thing to say! Thank you. And I think that goes across the board with the band. So we were, you know, our jaws were on the floor a little bit when the guitar player was taking oh. his leads, the sax player is taking his leads, and to the point that John wanted me to bring up, we're chatting on stage, and the saxophone's name again is Clay Connor. Yeah, so Clay says, oh, yeah, if I come on the podcast, i got to tell you about the time I auditioned for Kenny Loggins. I'm like, what? And then he, and then he sends me an email and says, oh, I played a few gigs with Michael McDonald. You're playing with uh, David Foster and uh, Olivia Newton-John. So tell us about how how much connection is there to the industry, and Kevin, and I have to make sure that you bring up the fact that you are a three-time Grammy nominee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, I am. It was uh, some of the biggest, probably the biggest honor of my life was, you know, being recognized by peers uh, as a producer, as an engineer, and as a mixer. It's something I have worked my life to do. Uh, that's my, my creative love is, is making uh, recorded music, and I've been doing it for a very, very long time. And I've been very fortunate to do it at that level where your peers say, this is worthy of us recognizing. And, you know, they do say, it is such an honor to be nominated, but I have to, I have to be completely real with you guys. At our first Grammy Awards that we went and, you know, uh, one of the awards that we were nominated in was one of the televised awards, but the other two were, uh, you know, they give out tons of Grammys during the day prior to the actual televised event. And when we got to the first category that we were nominated in, I think it was the 86th award they were giving out earlier in the day and they don't announce your name, you're like, okay, this sucks. Like, this is, this is not why I traveled to L.A. I didn't want to. The, the, the plaque is cool, but, man, to be able to walk away with the hardware would have been amazing. So, But I, I kind of jest, but uh, it, it has been so cool to, to, to be able to make music at that level. And, and yeah, it's, it, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate to work with some, some amazing artists and learn from the best, and, and I've, I'm just very grateful. As long as it's not the best spoken word category, I'm okay with it. Right, right. <laughs> Tom and I are, it's kind of funny. We've had this ever-evolving conversation since we started this podcast. It's almost three years. And we go back and forth between being guardians of the term yacht rock to realizing that we kind of like yacht rock and the yacht yeah, rock just as much, if not the nyat, a little bit more. So I'm, I'm going to uh, sort of open up the Pandora's box here. When we're sitting there, we thought, before we knew anything about what you guys were going to do, we're going to keep score. We're going to keep track <laughs> of how many Yacht Rock songs you do and how many Nyat Rock songs you do. Yeah. So we, we, we kept that score, and then we came up on stage to talk to you and set this up. And I kind of alluded at, you know, the fact that we're a Yacht Rock podcast and all that stuff. And how does, you know, the fact that you have to figure out how to fill a set list with songs that people want to hear. Also, with knowing that there's certain people that say, well, you know, they're going to be scoring you on whether you play Yacht Rock or not. Right. So you said, well, you should hear our band <laughs> meetings when we discuss <laughs> this because we got purists and we got the what we call the Nyatis. So. What do you want to tell us about that? So uh, this is an amazing topic. Thank you for bringing it up. And <laughs> it is the topic. In, in, in the four years that we've been together, um, there's been a lot of constant and consistency in our band in one respect. And in another respect, there's a lot of flux. The flux being exactly what you're talking about, the songs. Um, what I mentioned earlier, there are so many songs to choose. And where do you stop and what do you cut and what do you add and why do you add? I first and foremost feel as the band leader and the founder of the Docksiders, it's my responsibility to feel the band that can A, more than play this music, that we are, you know, capable of, of paying tribute to this genre, one, and two, at the end of the day, I want everybody walking out of a Docksiders performance going, oh my gosh, not only could they sing these songs well and perform these songs well, but I was fully entertained. And that means, in my opinion, 
the line has to be blurred, right? Like there are songs that are on the cusp of what are yacht rock that I would consider to be home runs. And yeah, let's yeah. just dig right into ABBA. Yeah, I totally agree. Right? Totally agree. So yeah. we, we didn't play it in Detroit, I don't believe. However, we have this medley that works really specifically amongst some of the other tunes. Caribbean Queen, which I mm -hmm. do believe we played in Detroit, which could be considered very much not Yacht Rock, right? Like yeah. there, are, uh, there are definite moments where I think the show needs the spike of energy and that sort of nostalgia that we, we are very heavily rooted in. And I think what has challenged some of our band discussions is we have some what I call the yacht rock purists, meaning there are guys in the band that if it didn't, if it wasn't created in a certain, air, you know, time frame in that year, and if it wasn't recorded by Toto in their different <laughs> forms with Boz Kags and such, right, right. that it's not yacht rock and we shouldn't be playing it. And, and that's where I feel, you know, as not only the producer of the group, and of the shows that we do, we have an obligation to keep people happy. And that's where we, you know, we, where we live. That's, that's where we blur that line. I want to know what your count was. Uh, we had it at around 40%. And that, <laughs> that, that's exactly where I'd want it. Okay. You know, yeah. exactly. Because cause the songs that you picked that weren't Yacht Rock are totally songs that relate. Yeah. So I had no complaints over the song list at all. No, That's no. good to know. And you know what? It's it's people like you that are very educated in the genre and that are fans of it that we also pay attention to, right? Like, I, I can't tell yeah. you how many people we've met in our travels that will come up to us and say, you know, I was listening to this music before it had a, a genre title. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're not the only yacht rock band in America. I'm right. well aware of who we, you know, share... Uh, different rooms with and, and you know, we, we do tend to overlap uh, around yep. the country from time to time. And it's interesting to kind of learn what other bands are doing. I really don't try to pay any attention to what songs or the song lists they're doing because I really want the Docksider experience to be what we have, uh, a reporter once referred to us as, as America's favorite yacht rock band. I don't want to be influenced by what others are doing, but it is truly this giant ball of yarn of like, how do you pick a song and why you play it? Yeah. And how does it fit next to Peg, right? Like that's another right. dilemma that you have. And how does, how does Peg work next to, you know, lot of love or, or I just want to hear everything, right? Which would not be considered yacht rock, but it's still like, it lifts our our show in a very unique way. That was a big hit that night. I just want to be your everything. And it, you know, totally is not Yacht Rock, but man, did it fit yeah. within the set list. Yeah. It was beautiful. And Bobby, uh, Bobby kills it, our singer. Definitely. I, I was just going to say, fun fact, it is on my Yacht Rock playlist. Mine too, actually. Oh, <laughs> it should be. Cool. Doesn't yeah, matter. I know. I just want So, but you mentioned these other tribute bands, and um, we've been fortunate enough to interview some of the artists, the actual artists for back in the day. There's obviously this huge resurgence, which we uh, talked about at the opening of the show, which is this existential question, why is this all happening? So, the only thing I'll say about your um, uh, colleagues is you guys all have a wonderful knack for coming up with puns, whether it be... <laughs> Yachty by nature, <laughs> Yachtly crew, <laughs> or the Docksiders, or all the others. So there's obviously a market for it. And then we talk to the actual artists. They're probably, you know, touring, and they, they report that they're getting royalties. And do you think it's more than, we'll ask you the existential question, is it more than just the 30- or 40-year boomerang effect that you feel like this music in particular is having this sort of second life? It's a, uh, another incredible question. Uh, I... I I'd like to think that it's it's what you guys started the top of the podcast with. I think that there's this 30 40 year 
natural cycle, right? Where the music becomes relevant again. I remember when it happened uh, to, you know, there was a big 80s boom for a while, right? And and now yeah, it feels yeah. like, now it feels like it's going back a, a bit backwards. But I think, and I was asked this in another interview that I did recently with uh, with Tony Orlando, uh, we're we're going to be on one of his radio programs coming up real soon. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. This music makes people happy. This music takes people back to a place in time where we didn't, we weren't dealing with pandemic and iPhones and being bombarded with millions of of different bits of information all day long and 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 you you I I couldn't agree with you more about the 90s you know it's just an ugly decade of music in my personal opinion yay brother amen all right that's a white glove for you sir a white and, glove for and you, no sir. disrespect to my 90s brother who was in a 90s <laughs> band on leading the yeah. podcast too so but I just feel that this music this this music has this natural connectivity now we we, we I have a, a daughter who's 21 and a son who's 20 and, and and we have a son who's eight and it's amazing how this music touches them and seeing how they're singing along with the songs that mom and dad are rehearsing or working through or cool. just playing as our soundtrack. So, you know, this is what I, I consider this music timeless. I consider this music classic, not classic from the like classic rock perspective, but this is classic, timeless, iconic songs written by brilliant songwriters, played by brilliant musicians, sung by brilliant singers. I don't think that ever goes out of style. Preach my brother. And I agree too. I have kids of similar ages, maybe a little bit younger, but um, they love it too. And so in addition to everything you said, I think there's an additional factor that's weighing in here in terms of why this music is resurging. Because if you want to hear sophisticated chord progressions, if you want to hear sophisticated solo artists, exceptional vocal layering, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, maybe, you know, chorus out to you don't hear that music in modern music so it's not like you could hear it you know just turning on spotify and hitting shuffle you need to find that in another time and place and i think the other time and place is is the yacht rock era you're right you're right 100 percent. can i go tom <laughs> or did you yeah. have an, uh, i didn't know if you had I an just, add on uh, to that so no i just let's say, say i'm right again that sounded all right, tom's right again <laughs> Uh, that sounded scripted, but that's the only way I'm ever going to say that. So anyway, uh, one of the highlights of the night, I don't know if it was because we had a crowd that was slow to warm up, but it was probably almost three quarters of the way into the show. You guys played all night long, Lionel Richie, and that just brought, well, it was uh, medleyed with uh, UR. And that brought the roof down, got everybody that maybe was stuck to their seats, got them out. Is, is that song normally a highlight? I know you have it later in the set, so that made me think maybe it was. Is that normally kind of a, a highlight song of the set? It is. There is something about that medley of songs that just people stand up for. It's unbelievable. You watch the, you watch the people throughout the night and... I look at him almost after every single show and I say, what is it with that medley that just brings people up? It's a party, right? Like that, that, that again, I think it takes our targeted age group that we found to love this kind of music that we'd consider the people that would buy a ticket to a yacht rock concert. Um, I think it just takes you back to that time. Like I mentioned the where you felt good. The music makes you feel good. Um, and, and, and it's really good. I think this conversation is leading me to a kind of self reflection of as to why the set might have been slow to start. And it's because I think we made some choices and we pulled some of those home runs I talked about because we were going to do a two hour set. And based upon the fact that we were starting as late as we were and we, we didn't want the sun to go down and yeah. make it a dark sort of performance. We pulled some of the songs that might've been some of those earlier get up, stand up sort of songs. And uh, that might've added to it now that you have me thinking about it. So what are some of those gems? I was going to ask how many total songs you have in the inventory, but uh, what, what were you uh, maybe holding or what did you pull? 
what did we pull? We pulled the uh, we do a, a medley of Waterloo and Dancing Queen, which ah oh, that would have done clearly it. is yeah. not Love yacht that. rock, but. Let me. I don't care. It it lights up a room like you wouldn't yeah. believe. Yeah. That room was crying for some ABBA, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Yacht Rock, though, is it's not really... It's not really party music, right? No. I mean, it can be. And some of the selections you guys make are uh, are certainly party tunes. But like, you open the night with um, what was the Christopher Cross? Tune? Ride like the wind. Yeah, ride like the wind. So that's a cool vibe, right? right? And then you go into some Ambrosia, which oh my god, touched my heart, made me tingly all over. But these aren't tunes where you get up and you start dancing and the crowd and the dance floor is full. But I think everyone there is feeling it on the inside. Like, oh, this is Oh, awesome. I can tell. Everyone is singing in their seats, for sure. So you almost need to throw in the party anthems like, uh, you know, Lionel Richie stuff or the ABBA stuff just to kind of make it a big, you know, celebration at the end. Yeah, it's okay to dance. And that's, usually the, that's usually why we do it. I mean, Kevin actually has been very strategic about which songs... You know, everybody has a voice. We all, we all, you know, come up with our own ideas. And then we sit around a table and we talk about why, you know, why something should be pulled and why something should be put in. And he's been very strategic about, listen, yes, we are doing Yacht Rock. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to stretch that, that line. We're going to blur that because we still want people to walk away and say, that was not only amazing, but that was a lot of fun. And that's, that's why, you know, we do have songs that are not. <laughs> well, Aaron, I got a question for you, Aaron, because we did an episode early on. It was called the maidens of the voyage. Uh, so we're not uh, afraid of doing puns ourselves, <laughs> but, um, and really what the episode was, it was about exploring, you know, the female vocalists of the genre. And I think at the end of the day, John, you and I came away, came away from it thinking there's just not enough. There should be more female representation in the genre. Absolutely. So as a cover band, do you f find a struggle to like identify songs? Yes. And if so the follow up is I have a suggestion for you. Okay. But go ahead. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. When we sat down to put this together, I'm listening to all of the, you know, the, the Yacht Rock playlists out there and I'm saying wow there are a handful of women and songs that I can do that are considered yacht rock and some of them are kind of like what you were seeing people kind of sit and go okay yeah that was nice <laughs> and as a, as a, as a vocalist you kind of want people to be like oh this is this is nice and I'm having a lot of fun yeah so you know that that energy comes back so it's it was very much a struggle. You know, we, we had um, You're So Vain in there. We had mm -hmm. You're No Good. Um, we had He's So Shy. Um, and, oh, Point ooh, of Sisters, yeah. yeah. What about uh, Lot of Love? You do that we one? had Lot of Love for a very long yeah. time. We did Lot of Love for a very long time. Yep. Yeah. I believe Aaron should be still doing it, but I'm going to start an argument as we have this conversation. <laughs> but Easy. This podcast does not embrace arguments. Well, my recommendation, <laughs> my recommendation would be for a first set kind of chill type of vibe, but the Elkie Brooks version of Fool If You Think oh It's Over. Oh my gosh, you can't leave that song alone. I cannot. It's like sugar. It's so good for you. Or anyway, it's got to be fattening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, that's a good one for you, Aaron. That All would right. fit right in your range. All right. I'm, I'm going to go listen to that one. I, I, I had one final thing. Um, I don't know. I, well, it's more, it's less a question than a statement that I'd like to get your reaction to. When you guys did Rosanna, Tom and I are sitting there as you get to the end and we're like, okay, are they going to do it? Are they not going to do it? Are they going to do it? We're wondering if you're going to do the outro section. And then all of a sudden you start the outro section. We're like, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And then we're like, okay, what's this guitar player got? And <laughs> Well, we knew he had something we in the did, chamber because but, of the night. But yeah. oh my gosh, I, I, he absolutely in in the best way i can say it absolutely destroyed that song in the best way possible and i i got this picture of like lukather down at the front of the stage kind of bowing down like in amazement it was he just was so good and what that my takeaway was that yacht rock kind of you know has a shtick 
that surrounds it, the captain's hats and all that stuff. And there's certain people that probably become skeptical of the quality of the music because they see the costuming and all that stuff and they just kind of thumb their nose at it. When you bring the goods like that, that's how you bring those people along. That was amazing. That's that's amazing. I, I His name is Mike Standle. And I've known him for a very, very long time. And he is one of my all-time favorite guitar players oh. uh, that I've worked with. And he's just, he's incredible. I was so It's so cool that you guys recognize that. Um, and he's going to be beaming uh, when he listens to the <laughs> podcast that you've mentioned that. Good. Well, I'll, I'll compliment his tone in addition to his playing, too, because his tone on the clean uh, palm mutes, which John knows is the other saccharine sweet thing I enjoy, yeah. was just as good as his, you know, rock and lead. And so, his showmanship. Nice I mean, he came out in front and he was yep, bouncing yeah. around and it was it was full on rock show at that point. That's right. He is so much fun. He is. And if you want to see this full-on rock show, they are on tour. Um, <clears throat> you can find them at the docksiders.com. So go see where they're coming to a town near you for sure. Highly recommended. But what was interesting in addition to that was we found that all of this success is culminating in an exciting thing that's happening in Vegas. Yeah, tell us about that. <laughs> yes, we could not be more excited. We have sold our house and essentially, everyone in the band is moving to the desert. Oh, my gosh. And when we end our tour uh, at the end of August, we are opening uh, at this amazing new room called the Duomo inside the Rio Hotel. So right next to Penn and Teller, uh, we will be we are the first Yacht Rock residency in Las Vegas. Woo, and we are awesome. proud to plant our flag um, in the desert sand uh, yes. there. Mm. And uh, one of the guys hates when I say we're dropping the anchor in Vegas. Dropping <laughs> <laughs> the anchor in sense. the desert. That's right. So, uh, so I'll say we're planting the flag in the sand. And there you yeah, go. it's going to be super cool. We're going to be playing uh, five nights a week at the Duomo in the Rio Hotel. And if you're... Uh, a fan of Yacht Rock, I promise you are not going to want to miss this show. We are going to have some amazing surprises and amazing treats. And rumor has it we might even have some of the original artists sitting in with I us. I bet. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, man. Wow, so cool. And so when does that kick off? Opening night is Thursday, September 8th of 2022. Now, for your local fran uh, fans, because you guys hail from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is that right? We do. So is the Grand Slam Charity Jam still on? We are. We're, we're actually flying back to do a show in our hometown, which is pretty interesting. Um, that's a private event uh, as it's a charity fundraiser. Uh, and then we're getting, uh, you know, we have, we're working 40 weeks a year in Vegas. So there's this 12-week window that we've been very uh, upfront about with our agent that we would like to still take the show to cities that have loved us and that we love so i promise you we're coming back to the detroit area oh awesome well it, i wanted to go back real quick before we let you go to something that you said earlier on and the 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 downside of this being a 30 to 40 year sort of rebound or um echo effect is that the the original artists now are getting older you know we talked to some of them some of them are touring again some of them you know the bands are you know at loggerheads so they don't want to see each other anymore right. what's cool about what you guys do and ambrosia does this and um uh orleans does this and then tribute bands like yourselves do this is they'll play shows and they'll bring out the original artists like you said peter beckett or walter egan or the likes of you know some of the the legends will come up and play with you guys so you guys are offering a platform to keep this music alive not just for yourselves but for the original artists that could be the coolest legacy part of this whole thing right is to just keep this music in front of people it you know like you, like you said earlier music today is not created like this it's not made like this i don't think i don't think uh, my 20 year old knows what a bridge is in a song and the current music <laughs> that <laughs> no, he listens to right exactly <laughs> and and if it isn't a a four or an eight bar loop just with a different melody over it it's not considered music to their ears but i, I now i now i'm kind of digressing sounding like my father when i was playing right him songs from the 80s that I was really into and yeah. very different than the Beach Boys at the time too, right? So 
but that's the cycle, right? That's that's the that's how music uh, changes, and uh, I love how subjective it is. I love how we can all find similarities in the music that we that inspires us and it connects us and it takes us back to a place in time in our lives that we remember. But I like how it is also very different. Where you know a song I like might not be anything that is appealing to someone else. But that's that's half the fun of being able to share my mixtapes with people. Well, they do, uh, the Docksiders do have a presence also on Spotify. If you want to hear, uh, they've got some recordings of some of the tunes that they do. There's a couple of originals on there, and I think people should go and check that out. Uh, I'm definitely going to be uh, back in touch with you because uh, I've got my own sort of yacht rock project that I'm going to kind of, I got a little bit of an idea germinating inside my head, but we'll talk about that later. But Love um, it. Tommy, Love it. What else you got? Well, I just wanted to thank Aaron and Kevin for not only being on the podcast, but honestly, guys, you made my night that night. And Me too. It may have been one of the highlights of my summer. So to listeners, go to thedocksiders.com and find out where they're coming near you. That is amazing to hear that. That touches our hearts, and that's what we really try to set out to do every night. And we just want to keep bringing happiness to people and doing playing music that we love as well. So thank you very much for inviting us to be on your podcast. We will make sure that we share this link with everybody that is on our our social media networks as well, because that's how we keep this going by just that's it. Sharing it it with everybody. Keeping the fire. Keep the fire, friends. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Good luck in Vegas and good luck with the move. We'll hopefully talk to you soon. Sounds great, guys. Thank you so much. Well, that was uh Almost as much fun interviewing them as it was uh, going to see them a few weeks ago. I think it was just about as fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's more uh, of our participation, that's for sure. You know, I had one quick observation. I noticed that uh, we were talking throughout about the battle of yacht and, and yacht and all that. And, um, you know, the question is, well, if it's not yacht rock, why do you call it yacht rock? But you notice they cleverly did not put yacht rock in their name. They're the Docksider. So they've got that out. So they, they've got that magic bullet when they need it. They do. That said, they do build themselves as America's favorite yacht rock band. So, <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, they could just say that somebody forgot to put the N there in front of a yacht. Yeah, right. All right. Cool. Well, that actually incidentally takes us nicely into a lightning round. Because I just wanted to ask you, okay. going back to the song that brought the house down yeah. the other night, the Edsel and Eleanor Ford house, um, where do you stand on All Night Long? Can it float your boat? It's a toughie. It is a toughie because... Because I know what the answer is. Well, what is the actual uh, rating? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. Okay. Um, let me well, pull it up while you're thinking and hemming and hawing. Well, I don't need to hem and haw. I can t- sort of talk through it. I think that there is certainly a lot to like about that song. I was huge into it at the time before it got overplayed. I think as it gets going further on, uh, especially when the horn parts start coming in and all that, um, it really starts to pick up steam and maybe you can make the Yachty case there. I think there's too much on the front end that has that reggae sort of undertone and I think that can fool you. Yeah. So I would say probably a soft no on that one. Okay. Interesting. And my take is I just, I love that song. I loved it back then. I still like it now. It worked perfectly the other night into a a set of Yacht Rock. Yeah. Um, I would have sworn it was not rated, but it actually is a 61 composite. Hmm. Higher than I would expect. Yeah, well, here's the deal. So JD gave it a 91. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then Hunter and Steve were 49 and 45, and then Dave at 59. So that 91 certainly yeah. uh, dragged it onto the boat. I still can't put it in my list. I just no, It doesn't feel right It to doesn't, me. but it sure felt right that night. And um, that kind of goes yeah. to my float your boat question. And this is not necessarily— Well, real quick, before we get off Lionel Richie. I was just— I. I been going through his catalog more and more and finding more and more that I like and more and more that I find seaworthy. Um, I might even put Penny Lover on the boat. Let's see if that's rated. I'll bet it's not. It's so uh, so slow and bell. It's not. But anyways, 
uh, Lionel Richie, the reason I wanted to go back to that is his whole catalog is kind of tough for me because it. I feel like he's one of those artists that is their own thing, and it's not always Yacht Rock, though some songs certainly float my boat. Anyways, I digress. Yep, I agree with Where all are you of taking that. Us? All right, I was going to say sort of the same type of question, not whether this song is Yacht Rock or not. We know decidedly it is not, and that um, didn't matter the night we saw him because, as we said, we were there enjoying – a you know a show they're, they're there to entertain a certain audience some of which are going to know what yacht rock is others that are just going to think of you know the broader sense of maybe what Sirius has taught them the question is how did you feel this song fit into the set is probably the most un-yacht rock song they did but how do you think it felt in the set and that was Fleetwood Max everywhere No, I shouldn't say this because Fleetwood Mac's a huge no-no, right. but I thought it fit perfectly. I did too. Uh, so much so that it, <laughs> it convinced me to put that one in my list, even yeah. though I know it's not rock. Well, you know, rock, so. it, it, it hints at a few things. It's got some sort of plucky guitars, though not really played in the yacht rock style, but it does have some of that. It's a very pristine type of recording, especially the drums. So, uh, you know, you, you can, I would, I'm not making the argument that it's yacht rock, but I am going to say that it fit beautifully in the set yeah perfectly and like we said uh there being so few maidens of the voyage they had to find another tune and fleetwood max a great way to go when you need a, a female vocalist so yeah. it works from that standpoint yeah, yeah. as well and speaking of maidens of the voyage i actually have yes. one of those for my buried treasure because we talked to aaron about uh her influence and stuff and we noticed that there was at least we thought maybe it was a little bit of an omission. Apparently, it's moved down their priority list doing uh, Nicolette Larson's Lot of Love for whatever reason. Maybe it doesn't go over as well as we would expect. Uh, but hmm. when we brought that up, they're like, yeah, you know, maybe we need to consider bringing that one back into the set. But So I've got a different Nicolette Larson song. I found one from 1980, the Radioland album. This is still produced by Ted Templeman. It's got, you know, a lot of the doobie guys on it. John McPhee, Taran Porter, Bobby Lekind, uh, or Lekind, I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Uh, Bill Payne, uh, Maureen McDonald, which is Michael's sister on it. This song goes through periods where it's sort of halftime ballad, and then the chorus comes along, and it's just oozing with doobie bounce. So let's listen to a little bit of When You Come Around. I like that one. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I, the Docksiders can't adopt it because I don't think they want to be rolling out deep cuts. No, not that deep. Show. And that wasn't even one of her best albums, but it is definitely a yachty sounding tune. It is a good find because of the two elements. The doobie bounce with a halftime, you said ballad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Very nice. All right. Well, I'm going to go completely off topic here just for a second for my, but not really because this, this goes back to the whole capital Y, capital R Yacht Rock versus small case Yacht Rock mm -hmm. um, in the difference between and the struggle between uh, as the band themselves uh, experience from time to time. Yeah. But the band Exile. Okay. So here's what, what does the Sirius Station play over and over and over again? Do they play Kiss You All Over? Kiss You All Over. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Now that scores a 21.75. <laughs> so that's clearly yeah, that's okay. To me that fits Probably in Probably lower than it deserved, yeah. but I I yeah. I agree. The highest score is thirty eight, and that's about where I'd put mm -hmm. it. But um it fits in what the serious channel's doing. Yeah. Going back to that. They never ever play a tune that scored an eighty four on the Yatsky scheme. Mm. And I don't even think it's that buried, but it's being buried by them, and that's Exiles You're Good for Me.
tell you, I hear a lot of that uh, sort of doobie bounce five over one theory synth stack in there for what we had deemed sort of a yacht country album. So I can see why they rated that one pretty high. I always liked, I liked that whole album. I managed to find a vinyl copy of that. Yep. And that song was co-written by Greg Guidry. So. Oh, no way. Isn't that interesting? It very, sound, uh, very much sounds like a Greg Guidry song now that you say that. Well, well put an uh, audio pin in that, listeners, because whenever we get to uh, a future one, there's a, a, a Greg Guidry connection coming up. So anyway, that tune is yachty as it gets. They need to work that into the set over there at Sirius XM. Amen to that. So uh, you got some Greg Guidry and you're off the map? No, no, it's going to be a future episode, oh. so you're really going to have Oof. to put a uh, mental pin in it. Um, you're asking people to pay attention. Uh, maybe, or just, I don't know, it'll be a, a creeper, like uh, a bad LSD trip. Uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of trips, where do you take nautical trips? Boats. Absolutely. And uh, the Docksiders have, as you mentioned earlier, they have a Spotify uh, presence yep. with that includes some originals. Um, and of course, I would be remiss if I did not include them in our Off the Map, especially with a song called Get on the Boat. Yeah. Now that's taking like elements of yacht rock, elements of boat music, and turning it into a party anthem. That is full on party <laughs> anthem approach, isn't it? Dig it. Yeah, it, exactly. It's my new uh, I'm on a boat, the SNL thing. I'm going to do get on the boat. That's instead. right. Yep. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, over to you, sir. All right. Final off the map for this episode. Uh, one of the songs that they pulled out that was probably way off the map, but again, we, uh, Aaron can absolutely nail the Olivia Newton John thing. And this song was a pretty big hit that night. People wanted to hear this. People enjoyed it when it came on, partially probably because it was unexpected. But I love this song. Olivia Newton-John with ELO doing the theme from Xanadu. You know, that song always gave me ABBA vibes. Yeah. You know how we brought up yeah. them doing ABBA? That song always gave me strong ABBA vibes. Yeah, yeah. But they did kill it that night, and uh, it's a good one. It's close. It's adjacent. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's on my list, but it could be. You remember um, back in the day with ELO, they did all of that, um, what they call backmasking, where they would have stuff backwards in their recordings, and you'd have to, like, stop the record and sort of spin it backwards with your finger to hear what they were saying. Yeah, didn't they do that with, uh, like, Beethoven's Fifth uh, or something? They did it with a, a famous symphony. Yeah, they, everybody thought it was, like, you know, evil stuff, you know, because it was backwards and all that stuff. But you could take they it. Paul is dead. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You could take it and spin it backwards and hear what they were saying. So here, check this one out. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's ELO? No, well, yes, but here, here, check it out going forward, and then you'll understand. Okay. Ahoy, Paloy. 